0: Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross and it is time to preview the 2021 Australian Open. The first major of the year is here. Let's go. It is Monday morning in the United States, which means it's almost Tuesday in in Melbourne, Australia, if not already. And that also means one day of play has concluded. Of course, I like to do these before any tennis is played, but the draw was delayed 24 hours, and then I had to travel for work. It really messed me up, and that's why this is late. But it is here, and I promise you, rest assured, I have not changed any of my picks. I made all these picks before the tournament started. There has been no cheating. And we can just dive into this. I'll start with the court conditions and some of the things that I'm looking for, the kind of players that I'm favoring, perhaps more than usual, For this tournament, I do think that we are getting quicker conditions, slicker conditions, despite the cooler temperature in Melbourne, Australia, because uh, it's it's two weeks later. So I, I don't think when you look at the forecast, Thursday's looking hot, but we're not getting triple digit heat like we sometimes get. So that's good news for some. And that normally slows down the court speed a little bit. But for the most part, it looks a lot faster than last year. The the 2020 Australian Open was a complete outlier. They made changes to the court surface. They apparently had last-minute issues with the court surface and had to resurface it prior to the tournament, which means the the court was really not played on very much coming in. The more a court is played on, the more it tends to speed up. And we we had a really slow Australian Open last year. I think it's a lot quicker this year. Dominic Team has said this has uh, has said that, and uh, a couple of player, uh, a couple of other players I've seen have said that as well. That is how it looks to my eye, and that is the classic Australian Open that we are used to. In recent memory, the Aussies played fast. And twenty twenty, was a reprieve from that, and I think it'll go back to being that way very very soon. A couple of other things I have my eye on is the unusual buildup, of course, where some players are coming in without a lot of rest. I'm not sure that's a good thing. If 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 you're a player like Dan Evans or Yannick Sinner, um, who won, who made you know tournament runs and lifted trophies on on Sunday, and then will have to play their first round match at the Aussie. On either Monday or Tuesday, I'm not sure that's great. With that being said, I'm not sure it's great if you're coming into this tournament with without a lot of match play, and perhaps you lost in the the, the first round and you didn't play the the first week in Delray Beach or something like that or Antalya, I think it was. Um, I'm not sure that's ideal either. So it's an unconventional buildup. I'm favoring players who either I'm very confident in physically have good conditioning. And maybe if conditioning is less than usual, it'll still be above average. I like players who who will serve big. Not only does that preserve the body, reduce the risk of injury, and wear down, it also is kind of an easier thing to execute. Normally does not diminish with lack of practice time. It's something that can be held up to a very high standard. So I like simple games and... I like good conditioning here because I think that's going to be a challenge for some players heading into the first week, the second week. We saw a lot of players withdraw before the Aussie last week in these tune-up events, kind of saying, look, my body doesn't feel right. I'm coming out of a two-week kind of half quarantine, and I just need to take a break before I play a two-week major. So which players are going to hold up physically? Players who have a history of holding up physically, I am going to favor those players. So without further ado, let's get into the quarter by quarter breakdown. If you're new to the channel, here's how I do it. I talk about the top seeds, then I have a dark horse. The dark horse is the most likely unseeded player to make a run in the quarter. I put someone on upset alert. That is the seeded player who is most likely to lose early on. An early popcorn match is a match I'm most looking forward to watching in either the first or the second round. Let's start with top seed Novak Djokovic in the top half of the draw. He's in an eighth opposite Sasha Zverev. Well, a quarter opposite Sasha Zverev. Let's not let's not uh, be inaccurate here. With Gael Monfils, Milos Raonic, Stan Wawrinka, Dusan Lajovic, Taylor Fritz. And and Adrian Mannarino. So at first glance, here. First of all, I do think that um, Sasha Zverev is in a in a somewhat vulnerable spot coming into this tournament. I did not really think incredibly highly of his level coming in. Um, I do know that he had some trouble today with Marcos Giron, but remember, I'm, you know, he dropped a set to to Giron, but. I'm discounting that. This is how I felt before, you know, coming into the tournament. That I think I've seen Zverev, and 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 he's a player who, by the way, I think has played way too much physical tennis coming up, uh, or leading up to this event. Some three-hour-plus, three-setter marathon matches, and I don't think he looked quite as confident as he did when the season ended indoors on the tail end of 2020. With that being said... I see Zverev's 8th as a a very weak 8th. I don't really see anyone in here. The seeded players are Gael Monfils and Dusan Lajovic. I have Dusan Lajovic going to the fourth round. He's a player who doesn't really like a surface this quick. He's a little bit better on a slow hardcourt or a clay court. You also have Adrian Manorino in there. Um, So I don't see anyone who... Is overly threatening to Alexander Zverev, uh, Miomir Kachmanovic is a player who he beat. Zverev beat easily at Paris last year, I think two and two. Zverev gets a good good break here, so I feel like he's vulnerable. He's also got the pressure, uh, a little bit added pressure. He he made the semifinals here last year, and I don't think that he's been a proven commodity when coming into tournaments with high expectations. I don't think that Alexander Zverev has has really proven that that he handles that well yet. So I do have Zverev moving on to the quarterfinal here because I just don't see anyone to take him out. Now let's take a look at Novak Djokovic's path to the quarterfinal. He beat Jeremy Chardy easily. He's never dropped a set in 14 meetings now to Jeremy Chardy. Djokovic uh, has, I have him going through Francis Tiafo. Taylor Fritz in the third round, although it very well easily could be Riley Opelka. Then Milos Raonic. Now, this is a tough player for Novak Djokovic to draw. Milos Raonic is in very good form. I think he has been for quite a bit. He looked good, um, in my opinion, at the ATP Cup, despite the loss to, to jan Lennard Struff. He enjoys the Australian Open. Had a good result here last year. Um, with that being said... Taylor Fritz, Riley Opelka, Milos Raunic, Sasha Zverev. Let's take those players and let's say those are the group of players that Novak Djokovic can play. That's Those are good players. That's not an easy group of players to have in your eighth if you're Novak Djokovic. But at this point in Djokovic's career... I really feel like he embraces and enjoys the challenge of playing the big server, the offensive player, getting in that war of short points, the players who don't move as well that make his offense better, and players that he can try to counter-strike against, players who challenge his return and defense, but won't drag him into long, grueling baseline duels. That is the style of player at, at this point in Novak Djokovic's career, I believe that's the style of player that Djokovic is best against. And these are those are the kinds of players that Novak Djokovic has. So if we're going to compare him to Rafael Nadal, who's on the bottom half of the draw, and I, I'll take a look at his quarter later, if you look at the quality of player that Djokovic has versus the quality of players that Nadal has, I think undoubtedly in the quarter, Djokovic has the tougher competition. But I also don't think stylistically there's anything there that is problematic. Let us get to the Dark Horse Upset Alert popcorn match, etc. Dark Horse is Marton Fusheviks. I've talked about how much I like him in the past in the best of five format. Because he's such a fit player. And he's had so much success in uh, in best of five. Giving seeded players trouble. He has the win over Daniil Medvedev at the French Open last year. He gave Djokovic a lot of trouble. I believe US Open 2019. Um... Do I have that right? Yeah, I I think I do. He he's given Djokovic trouble at the U.S. Open actually, but I always love Fusheviks, and to me he's the most dangerous unseeded player in this quarter. He's a favorite of mine in the best of five. I, I, if you if you're someone who's watched a lot of these previews, he's frequently occupied that dark horse spot. Upset alert is Gaël Monfils for me. That's who I had before this tournament started, and this happened. Emil Roussevori beat him in five sets, heartbreaking for Gale. He's not on a good run of form. He does not have a lot of confidence. He's 34 years of age. I'm really hoping that he's not really over the hill and that he can come up with some good tennis because there have been points in time in his mid-30s, right, at at age 33 and 34, I've seen him play good tennis. His shot selection has improved. So I'm I'm holding out hope for Gale Mofis that this is not going to be a nosedive because in the last six or so months it really has been, and that's why I put him on upset alert. And he did indeed lose to the talented youngster Emil Rusavori from Finland. Early popcorn matches: Taylor Fritz versus Riley Opelka. These are the two brightest stars in American men's tennis right now, who are who are close to ready. They're not the they're not really the the next gen, right? They're not like. Um, Sebi Korda and Brandon Nakashima, but they're the closest players who are ready to make some noise in the near future, in my opinion. I think Taylor Fritz, I don't know how close he is to his ceiling as a player, but I think he's getting there, whereas Riley Opelka has a lot of room to develop. Right now, I have Taylor Fritz coming through this match. I think that Fritz has a serve that is underrated and and almost in the Opelka at the Opelka level, but he's a better player from the baseline. So I'm going to go with Taylor Fritz in that one. And I think that's who Novak Djokovic will have to deal with in the third round. Ultimately confident that Novak Djokovic gets through this quarter. So have one last look at it on YouTube. Quarterfinal, Djokovic defeats Zverev. Dark horse Martin Fushevich. Upset alert, Gael Monfils. Early popcorn, Taylor Fitt- Fritz versus Riley Opelka. And by the way, one thing I failed to mention. Um, Stan Wawrinka is a player that a lot of a lot of people have Djokovic having to play Stan Wawrinka. And oh no, Stan has beaten Novak at the Australian Open and the US Open and the French Open. They've played some tremendous matches. Stan almost got him twice in New York. I I, I don't actually think Stan makes it to Novak. I, I don't anticipate that. I think Fusheviks will give Wawrinka trouble. I think if not, Milos Sraonic will beat Wawrinka. And I also don't think that this is the same Stan Wawrinka. So a lot of people saying that, oh, we should circle that and, and Novak's in trouble with Wawrinka. I, I really don't see that. Um, I don't see that at all. So I will I will leave it at that. Maybe Stan will prove me wrong, but I, I don't see him as very threatening to Novak. All right, let's go down one quarter. It is the quarter of Dominic Team. There's usually a chaos quarter. Every slam, there's usually a chaos quarter where... Stuff hits the fan, keeping it PG, and crazy stuff happens, and things open up, and we get some some wonky results. Normally, somewhere in a major, that happens, and I think that Dominic's team, Dominic Team's quarter might be it. Top seeds with team: Diego Schwartzman, Denis Shapovalov, Pablo Carreno Busta, Grigor Dimitrov, FAA, Benoit Paire, and Hugo Humbert. This quarter is unbelievable unbelievably strong in the top eighth where Dominic Team sits. And I think that there are loads of great players. The bottom eighth, very, very weak. But I think this, I think the eighth that Dominic team is in is one of the most difficult in the entire draw. Okay. Let's take a look. Here's, here's what I have um, for for Dominic team. Um, Mikhail Kukushkin, kind of a, kind of a tricky first rounder, but team was able to navigate through that today. Uh, Dominic, uh, Kepfer or Hugo Deline in the second. Those are both decent players, but then uh, that's where it gets, that's where it gets difficult. Hugo Umber, um, is kind of my dark horse here. Now I didn't put him, oh, well, he's not a dark horse because he's seated. Hugo Umber is now seated. And he's a player who plays very well on fast courts, a tricky lefty with a good wide serve on the ad side, a really big forehand that he hits with precision. He takes time away. He likes to come forward. He's got a flat backhand that doesn't bounce very high, that he's very comfortable taking down the line. I think that Hugo Ember could pose some problems for Dominic Thiem for a couple reasons. One, I think think stylistically, just it'll have to be a good backhand day for Dominic Thiem and sometimes it is sometimes it isn't i think that umber is a player who can take teams time away and can um, cannot let dominic get any rhythm which team really wants he likes the rhythm He likes the momentum. He wants the confidence that he can take really big cuts, start swinging big, and start hitting his spots. And I don't love this spot for Dominic Team. I think, once again, the court surface is not like it was last year when he made the final and was very close to to winning this title and lifting the trophy against Novak Djokovic. I think these conditions are very, very different now. They're a lot faster, a lot slicker. Team needs to do better on return. It's going to be more difficult for him on return. And I see team as someone who wants to build his confidence and play with some rhythm and play some baseline rallies. I think Umber is just uh, the perfect player. If there's going to be a shock in this tournament, I think Umber might be able to take team out. Now, I'm not convinced by Hugo Umber's results ever since Paris of last year. They haven't been awesome, but he's a talented young player on the up and up. I think a tough matchup for, uh, for Dominic team. In the third round. So. Who's the favorite in that match? Obviously team. And you know how. Uh, I think everyone who's watched the channel knows how how high I am on, on what team can do. And how impressed I've been with, with what he's done. Right? But I do think that this could be a spot. Where if there's going to be a shock in this tournament. This is one I'm circling as a maybe. And to keep things interesting. I'm not going to pick just chalk, 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 chalk. And put everyone through. I'm going to go with this as an upset uh, with Dominic Team. Now that would open things up for a lot of pe- uh, a lot of players here in this quarter. Hugo and Bear obviously, but Pablo Carreno Busta, who's been to two U.S. Open semifinals, a great best of five player, unbelievably fit. Again, a simple, foolproof game. Who's been to the fourth round a couple of times at the Australian Open, but who has never made it as far as a quarterfinal. And I see him as a player with a, a really sturdy backhand that that can easily hold up against uh, the lefty Umbert in the second round. You could see a hangover that could be a long, a long tough match between Team and Umber if it happens because Umbert has to play Nick Kyrgios. So let's not brush that aside. And then and then Team would have to play Kyrgios again. I think that's tough too, to to face Kyrgios's uh, big serve. Um, I think that's difficult as well. It's interesting because I think if Team has to play PCB, I think that's a nice matchup, and I think Team gets through that. By that time, he would have some momentum built built up, which I think also really, really helps Team. I think once he gets going in this tournament, I'm not quite as concerned about him. Um, not that I'm overly concerned about him to begin with, but um, I I just think he's got it tough. I think the conditions aren't great. I think the I think there's a good amount of pressure here. And I think the opponents are difficult. So Pablo Carrena Busta. I think Diego Schwartzman gets through the bottom half. Uh, He is by far... I think he's got a weak eighth. No one who who concerns me here. Uh, The dark horse is Aslan Karatsev, who is in Diego Schwartzman's little eighth. He's a player who hits the ball absolutely massive whose results have been really impressive albeit on the challenger level for the most part over the course of the last 6 months ever since the the tour paused and he can really he really has an ultra hyper aggressive game and the racket skills to back it up. So Karatsev is my dark horse. I don't feel overly confident or overly great about that, but I I do think that he's worthy of that spot as the most dangerous unseeded player. Upset alert! Felix oje Aliyasim, just lost in the final against Dan Evans at one of the 250s last week. The tough pill to swallow, man. I think that FAA, there might be some residual from that. That was a terrible performance. He is now 0-7 in finals. He was pretty awful in that match, and I just wonder how demoralizing that might be for FAA to have to turn around, play right away. Uh, play a, a tricky opponent like me, perhaps uh, Demir Zumer or uh, James Duckworth, the Aussie in the second round, um, and then in the third round he could get Shapovalov. He'll get the winner of Shapovalov and Bernard Tomich. Tomich. How do I like to say that? I feel like I've I've went back and forth between Tomich and Tomich. Um, so FAA, I'm just I'm I'm a little bit concerned about his mental coming into this one, plus rest. And we saw with Yannick Sinner in, in his loss to Chapeau that that rest is meaningful. And making the final last week is it's good, but it's also bad, perhaps, for the Aussie. Early popcorn match, without a doubt, Chapo versus Sinner. It delivered. That, that's what I put before the tournament began. And it was a great five-setter, which I'll have coverage for a little bit later on. All right. I think I covered all my bases here. Uh, Pablo Correa Busta to the semifinal here. It's great in five sets. Grigor Dimitrov is also in this um, in this bottom eighth, and and he's a tough opponent. So again, I think this quarter is is really really strong. But I think PCB is someone. If if everything breaks down and things get chaotic in this quarter, which I think they might, I think PCB just might be that that steady hand that could see see through all of the the traffic. Let's go to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. He is the number four seed at this year's Australian Open. He's got his countryman, Andre Rublev, opposite him in his quarter. Roberto Bautista Agut. Very, very difficult player in best of five and will like the conditions here. David Gafan, Borna Choric, Casper um, Ruud, Filip Krajinovic, and Lorenzo Sinego, the young Italian. All right, Janil Medvedev's quarter... This is the quarter that I'm most confident about when it comes to what the quarterfinal will be. I really don't see Daniil Medvedev losing. I really don't see Andre Rublev losing. They just tore through the ATP Cup, won it, won it convincingly. No Rafa Nadal with Team Spain, which I think played into it, of course. And Italy beat Spain in the semifinals and then... Russia um, Russia met Italy, and it was fairly straightforward. Matteo Berrettini uh, losing to Daniil Medvedev and Fabio Fanini losing to Andrey Rublev. Russia always had the best singles in the draw, and uh, they deserved it. And I, I think that they are in an unbelievable state of mind. We've seen how winning these international events can, can really lift players up sometimes and put them in a great mood, a la Novak Djokovic winning the 2010 Davis Cup. Um or Rafa Nadal uh, winning the 2004 Davis Cup for Spain. We've seen that happen. So Medvedev and Rublev just both look really untouchable, and I don't see anyone particularly concerning for either of them. I mean, I have Rublev going through Yannick um, Hoffman, uh, Tiago Montero, Lorenzo Sinego, and jan lennard Struff, who is my dark horse in this quarter. I have Medvedev going through... Vashik Pospisil, which is my early popcorn match. It's going to be interesting. Pospisil, again, I, I think very highly of the level that Pospisil has brought to the court. He's a player that comes to net. I know that they've played. I know that they played recently last year. Did they play in Paris or something? Did did Pospisil, Pospisil beat Medvedev, right? Pospisil has a win over Medvedev. I'm almost certain of that and um i'm looking forward to watching that match that's a terrible draw for medvedev i think he still sees it through but i i really think that pospisil is one of the best unseeded players in the entire draw um medvedev after pospisil i have him going through roberto uh, carbeas baena philip Krajinovic. ultimately david Gafan, although that could be born a chorich and i think it's actually more likely to be born a chorich Hold on, guys. I know this is really bad, but my laptop isn't plugged in, and I got to plug it in. So, hold on. All right, we're back. I know I just said I have Medvedev beating Gafan on second thought. I think Borna Chorich sees it through to the fourth round. So, Medvedev and Rublev, I'm really confident that they're going to meet in the quarterfinal. And I'm pretty bummed that they were in each other's eighth, especially for Andre Rublev. Rublev is a guy who is best on hard courts, and his last two hard court events... He has been in Daniil Medvedev's eighth. Of course, I'm talking about the 2020 U.S. Open when Rublev had to play Medvedev. Those two have played four times, and Rublev has never taken a set off of his countrymen. It's a terrible matchup for Andre, and I feel for him because he's looking so good. He's beating everyone else, but I really can't favor him in a match against Medvedev. So I have Medvedev coming through this quarter. Again, dark horse is Jan-Leonard Struf. He's looked very impressive. Beat Raonic, Lajevic, and took a set off of Rublev at the ATP Cup. We could see a rematch of Rublev against Struf in the fourth round. Upset alert. David Gaffan just hasn't looked great at all. Lost to Carlos Alcaraz uh, first round in his tune-up event. Still not—I mean, I love Alcaraz, but um, still not a player who uh, someone of David Gaffan's stature wants to be losing to. And um, I'm a little bit concerned for Gafan. I haven't been able to see a lot. Again, this is what happens when a player, when a player loses first round, a ton. Sometimes I'm I'm missing it, and for for Gafan, I'm not sure what's going on, but very bad run of form. Um, and then again, I touched on it, but my popcorn is Medvedev versus Pospisil. Gafan plays Alexi Popperin in the first round. Look out for that match. Popperin, someone who. Has not been able to stay healthy, but at his best, he's a dangerous offensive player that Gafan needs to worry about. Oh, I, I should mention also that um, who has the misfortune of being in jan Leonard Struuf's area? That would be 12-seeded Roberto Bautista Agu. So just to keep that in mind, we could have a Struuf RBA second round. I think that would be an incredibly high quality, and I'm giving it to Struuf in these conditions. Although RBA loves a quick hard court. I think that Struve can get to the net, impose his will, and that is a, a bit of an upset alert for me. If RBA gets through that, RBA versus Rublev could be fun if, if that match happens. Probably more, eh, who knows? Who knows? That should be a good one. Looking forward to that one. Let's Let's finish this one up with Rafael Nadal's quarter. Of course, I'll tell you what I have in the semifinals and the final after this, so I shouldn't say finish things up, but last quarter is, Nadal quarters, is Nadal's quarter. He is the number two seed. He is in an eighth with Stefano Tsitsipas, Matteo Berrettini, Karen Hachinov, Alex Minaur, and Dan Evans. This is a pretty interesting eighth. I think that Nadal has a, a pretty kind path until the quarterfinals, where I think there's a couple of uh, a couple of interesting things looming. Now, Nadal comes in saying that his back is not feeling well, and for the better part of 15 days, he's been struggling with it, according to him, and that's definitely not what you want to hear at the Australian Open. For some reason, Nadal has had a lot of trouble staying healthy at this tournament. You wouldn't think that that would be the case, since it is the first major of the year, but Nadal's got horrible luck at the Aussie. Not as bad as Andy Murray, right? Murray who can't win a final and blew out his hip and then got COVID. But Nadal's a close second. Bad luck in Australia. Um, So, again, dealing with the back injury. I think the good news for Nadal is he he might have some time to play through this. And I, I don't think that there's anyone who... Who's really threatening early on for Nadal? So, in that respect, I think both Djokovic and Nadal, neither of them really got hammered here. Laszlo Jarre is a really good player, but mostly on a clay court in the first round, then Victor Troitsky in the second, if not Michael Moe. Third round, Cameron Nori or Dan Evans? Nadal's an, a horrible matchup for Dan Evans. I love Dan Evans, great player, but also I think could have some fatigue issue and is an awful matchup for Nadal. I actually, that's, a, that's one I'm circling for a possible upset. I have Dan Evans on upset alert because I don't see him as the a player who's always in the best condition in the world. So, for him to start playing best of 5 after after the the run that that he had the week prior without any rest, which was which was made worse by the the COVID pause mid-tournament last week. Dan Evans is on upset alert for me in this quarter. I think Nadal might have to face Cam Norrie, no issue there. Alex Minaur in the fourth round. Yeah, they've, you know, they played a good three set matchup. I think Demon, the way he takes his backhand early, can bother Nadal a little bit, but the intensity that Alex Minaur needs to maintain in order to compete with Nadal in best of five is really not, not possible. So I don't see Alex DiMnoir as someone who can really make Nadal sweat too badly. And then in the quarterfinals, I do have Stefano Tsitsipas getting through to this Nadal match. And this is one I, I really went back and forth on this one, especially given what Nadal is saying about his back. But I think if Nadal gets this far, I would like to think that he will have played through the back issues and that he'd be feeling 100%. I think on a slick, quick, hard court, as much as people might think on the surface... That oh that's great for titsi because he's an aggressive player and he likes to come forward. Yes, but no, uh, and I think that Nadal can find the the Tseti backhand and find it effectively and break down that contact point enough that I give Nadal a slight edge in this quarterfinal, but oh so slight. I see this as very close to a 50-50 call for me at this stage in the tournament. But we will stay, uh, we will keep you posted on that one. Early popcorn matches, Matteo Berrettini versus Kevin Anderson in round one. These are two players who I could see making runs, and I have Berrettini coming through and meeting Tsitsipas in the fourth round. That would be a tough matchup for Stefanos, who has struggled with the biggest servers on tour, and Matteo Berrettini looks like he is in great shape better shape than he was last season. I expect him to look a lot more like he did in 2019. With that being said, I like Berrettini a lot better on the natural surfaces, clay and grass, and I have Tsitsipas coming through. Dark Horse in this quarter, I gotta give it to Carlos Alcaraz. He's at the stage of his career where he is so kind of, he, he's on such a cannonball trajectory that I don't see nerves really getting in the way. I see him as as someone who probably feels invincible right now, tons of confidence and so much game to back it up. So Alcaraz is my dark horse. I'm guessing that once he, he gets to uh Hubie Hercotch, I think that's gonna be a tough one in the second round. And I don't favor Carlos in that one. But with that being said, I, I I do think that that is one that I have circled. I'll definitely wanting to be watched Carlos Alcaraz and Hubie Hercotch in the second round. If that match comes to fruition, I, I do know that this, uh, this Dutch player, I think it's Vanden Schloop. If I think that's how to, I'm, I'm, I think that's how to pronounce it. Um, I know that he's a, a very good player as well. So maybe he can take out Carlos Alcaraz in the first round. Have I covered my bases? I got my dark horse Alcaraz, upset alert, Dan Evans, early popcorn, Barrettini versus Anderson. I think I have covered my bases here. All right. We've made it. Let's go to the final weekend. Now a quick disclaimer before I get there. I am not going to hyper analyze these matches. These matches may not happen. I'm not going to sit here and and take a lot of time justifying the matchups and blah 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 because it could be a waste of time. Of course, if they if they do come to fruition, I will uh I will have preview videos and and that's where I will get into detail. So Let's not go crazy, but here's what I have. Final weekend, the reveal. There it is. Novak Djokovic defeats Pablo Correa Busta in the semifinals, four sets. Daniil Medvedev defeats Rafael Nadal in the semifinal, four sets. Djokovic defeats Medvedev in the final, five sets. That would be the second straight year. Novak Djokovic defeats... Uh, Defeats his his younger opponent in the final of the Aussie in what I am predicting as being five sets. Djokovic PCB. I don't think that uh, requires that much justification. Novak can do a lot more than PCB um, in in a couple of areas. Daniil Medvedev over Rafa Nadal. I really I really feel strongly that that Daniil Medvedev is the second favorite in this tournament after Novak Djokovic with. With the form that Daniil is in, and um, I think him being fresh coming in, and I know that he played ATP Cup matches, but they weren't long physical matches. They were they were quite easy, which is the best possible thing you can do. You get matches under your belt, you build confidence, you get repetition against different style of opponents, and you play short matches. Medvedev is the ideal here. That's exactly what you want. Uh, I do think that he... Is just looking amazing in a great spot, and this these slick, low bouncing conditions. This on a hard court. This is ideal. This is Medvedev These are Medvedev's conditions. They cannot get any more perfect. So I believe he should be favored over Rafa Nadal. He also does have some patterns that can bother Nadal. We saw it last year at the Tour Finals. We saw it in the U.S. Open final in 2019. Uh, Medvedev is used to playing Nadal. Nadal has had a lot of success against Daniil, and I think Rafa has things that he can do as well. But um, I think Medvedev in these conditions should be the favorite, and then finally, Djokovic over Medvedev in five sets. This is not about tennis. This is not a tennis pick. This is a this is an intangible pick. This is all mental to me. That's what um, that's what is having me pick Djokovic here. I think that I've never really seen Medvedev be overcome with nerves. But what I learned from the U.S. Open final last year is that. That's no reason to assume that that you'll never see it. And Medvedev, if you look at the last time he was in a major final against Nadal, right? He came into that one as a on first of all a massive run of incredible results and confidence. I talk about a cannonball trajectory, if I can use the same phrase that I that I did moments ago. And also a heavy underdog. So both Heavy underdog against Nadal, inexperienced, which actually sometimes helps. If you've never been there before, you don't even realize um, kind of where you are until you're already there. If that makes sense, kind of the young and naive mindset um, that that you'll sometimes see from from players who just broke onto the scene, right? Now Daniil Medvedev has expectation. People expect him to do well, and people are looking at their watch and saying, "When are you going to break through?" Uh Daniel Medvedev is a player, and, and you're thinking, when are you going to actually beat a member of a big three of the big three in a major event? Best of five in a final? When is that? That is the next step. We've talked about that. Is the next step for your uh, for Dominic team and Daniel Medvedev and Stefano Tsitsipas and Alexander Zverev beating Nadal Djokovic, perhaps Federer, in a big match at a major. That's what has not happened yet. And with the weight of that on Daniil Medvedev's shoulders, I don't see enough of a tennis difference between Djokovic and Medvedev to justify picking Medvedev here. I like Djokovic for the intangibles, for the been there, done that, the invincibility, the home soil effect that we see with Rafa Nadal at Roland Garros. Djokovic has that in Melbourne, inside the beautiful Rod Laver Arena which is why I have Novak Djokovic coming through here. All right, that'll do it, folks. Um, For coverage throughout the tournament, make sure you're following me on Twitter, at Gil underscore Gross. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Remember that Monday Match Analysis is available on all podcast platforms. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. The link is in the description. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next time.